Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. So we are in the last week of this series, Pray Like Jesus. Uh, it's been an a exciting series. I've actually really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the, uh, the reading and the study time for me as I kind of prepare these messages. But uh, I feel like I've gone through this journey of prayer and I'm still in this, this journey of prayer. But it's just really exciting to kind of dive deeper into that fact. Um, as we close out today, we're, we're closing out the Lord's Prayer, and you know we've we've covered all kinds of stuff. Of does prayer really work? Does it really have any kind of effect or a change? We've talked about uh, praying for God's will, praying in a relationship. As the prayer starts off with our Father, There's, we've covered all this stuff, and and kind of all of that kind of accumulates into today's passage, which is the, the kind of the last little chunk of this passage. Which I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to start. Well, verse 9 and read the whole Lord's Prayer. We're going to kind of focus in on the, the give us today our daily bread part of this passage. But it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our day, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to the temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you don't leave this this prayer thing up to guessing, that there's all kinds of instruction and examples in your word. And I pray that we can just be a church of people that is known for praying. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill this room today, that you speak through me, that you speak to our hearts, and that we can leave this place uh, charged for daily prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's this interesting thing about being full versus being empty, right? It almost seems broken. Let's let's take about talk about gas for a second. Anybody raise your hand in here if you're one of those people you let you're like running on fumes in your car, right? Like you may or may not make it to your next destination. Your your gas light is on and you know that you can go 22.4 miles on those fumes and you'll be fine, but once you hit that 0.5 you're stuck. Anybody in the anybody like that? 
Okay, I'm, I'm a little bit guilty of that. I know that my light comes on. That's when I go get gas. My wife, the light cuts on, and she's mad that she doesn't have gas. She's like, go get gas right now before you do anything. I'm like, you got a few. You, got, you know, you got some miles before you need it, right? <laughs> but, but, but how many of you are, you, you, have, you get to half a tank, and you're like, oh, I've got to go get gas. You never know what kind of emergency is going to pop up. I need to have gas in the car. Anybody in here that the quarter of a tank, half a tank, you go ahead and fill it up? Right. Okay. So, but there's this interesting thing with with gas. Um, When the car runs out, it stops working. I learned this the hard way. I've actually only run out of gas one time. And I used to work at Starbucks. That was a good 30 minute drive. After Lauren and I got married, we moved uh, to the the Williamston area of South Carolina, but I was still working in the Clemson area Starbucks and I had to get up really early. And I knew that I needed gas the night before, but I was like, I'll just get it in the morning on the way to work. And then I oversleep a little bit. And so I'm like, oh, well, uh, I'm just going to try to risk it. And I'm going I'm like, okay, well, you know what? There's a, there's a Walmart that has a gas station. I think I can stop there. But then I get stuck behind this 18-wheeler and I'm running very late for work. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to risk it. I think I can get there. Yes, my light is on. Yes, this will be the furthest I've ever had to drive with my gas light on, but I think I'm okay. And I get past this, the exit that has the gas station on it, and my truck starts to sputter, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And it eventually runs out of gas. I have to pull over and walk back to that exit where I decided to skip because I was running late, get gas, take it back to my truck. Now I'm super late. I get to work. Not only am I super late, but I also smell like gas because I'd gotten it on my hands and on my shoes and it was just it was a mess and it was miserable right but here's here's the thing is is when I put gas in my truck I made it to work when I got off of work I went straight to the gas station and filled it up because I knew that even though my truck was empty it needed to be filled but there's this weird thing because when when something is filled it's almost like it doesn't work because it gets empty again. It's like there's a filling that leads to empty, and there's an empty that needs to be filling. It's kind of like food, right? Let's say I eat lunch, and if you're like me, right before you start eating lunch, you're already thinking about dinner, right? <laughs> so you eat lunch, and this is Sunday afternoon, big old meal, been in the crock pot all morning. You eat this big old lunch, and then like 30 minutes later, you're hungry. Okay, not 30 minutes later. Like several hours later, you're hungry again, right? And it's like I just had this huge meal. It's dinner time, and I'm hungry So it's like that meal didn't work. So you know what? I'm just never going to eat again. What? What? You're never going to? Yeah, obviously doesn't work. I eat and then I'm hungry. Then a few minutes later I eat and then I'm hungry. And and it's not working, so why should I keep eating, right? And I think that a lot of us, this is the temptation that we approach with prayer, right? We go to church on Sunday, we spend some time throughout the week in prayer, and we feel like God fills us up, and we're ready, and we feel close to God, and it's like as time goes on, that connection with God kind of feels a little bit more distant. You're not connected like you were on Sunday, or even Monday morning, or, and then something happens, and you kind of neglect the prayer, and then, and then before you know it, it's like you feel empty again, and it's like in that moment, the draw should be to go back to prayer, But for so many of us, the thought process is, well, I prayed and now I'm empty again. So why don't I just give up on prayer? And I think that what this passage is getting at today, when it starts talking about, give us us this day our daily 
bread. It's this very instance of Jesus is saying this prayer is not just some lofty thing. It's not just some model of prayer that you do at once a week at church or once a month on special occasions or, or at special events when you have everybody's kind of praying together outside of a, we used to gather around the flagpole and we would say this prayer. After football practice, we would say this prayer. It's more than just this kind of corporate, let's recite this prayer together, but this is model of saying, hey, if you're going to be filled with God, if you're going to live this life connected to him, with all these things that we've been talking about with prayer, there's got to come this umbrella of a daily communion with him, a daily prayer life with him. And John Maxwell says this, he says, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is in your daily routine. It's not some kind of big thing you decide one day you're going to start doing. It's not some kind of big thing that happens or you achieve, but it's the daily routine. It's something that you do over and over again. And and if I ask the question, I know it's a rhetorical question because I can say, you know, how many of us in here have ever just hit empty? You've hit, you just, you're done, right? I think we can all say, yeah, I've been there. I've been there, right? So there's not really a need to ask, have you ever been empty? But I think I can ask, what are your actions when you hit that moment? I think about food again, and I think about how, was it yesterday, I got home from work, and you know, it's a, Saturdays you work until 1, so there's no lunch break, and I get home, and it's like 1.32 o'clock, and I'm starving, I'm empty, right, no food, I'm hungry, and for some reason, I'm grumpy, <laughs> and I say something to Lauren, and she's over there looking at me now, like we get in this little, this little spat, right, like we had in this little argument, and, and I don't even know why, except for the fact that I was empty, and my actions were negative, negative. and I think that there comes a point where we have to examine how we respond to the emptiness we feel. Does it drive us closer to God? Does it drive us deeper into prayer, or does it drive us away from him towards anger, resentment, bitterness, loneliness? What does the emptiness cause in you? Because I think that it should cause us to go into daily prayer. And when Jesus is modeling this prayer, it's like he, he addresses these three big issues that I think often leave us empty, right? He, it, he talks about the, this provision, right? Give us today our daily bread. He's talking about, I wrote down food and finances, because I think that's the kind of the provision that, that applies to us right now. And that's, that's, that's really going to be point number one. But then he also goes in and he talks about forgiveness and forgiving others. And he talks at, at relationships. And how often has a relationship just left us empty? And he keeps on going and he says forgive us our or lead us not to temptation so he talks about temptations and traps that we fall into and that's that's going to be what kind of what we're talking about today those three things because i think those are three issues that that we really should address daily because those three things can give us so much life and joy and happiness but they can also bring so much trouble and trials and emptiness so the first thing he looks at is, is give us today our daily bread. I, I, when I read this, I, I can't help but picture, you know, Jesus as Oprah. Don't, don't send me an email, okay? I know there's people that don't like to think of Jesus as Oprah, but that commercial with Oprah, right? And she's like, I love bread, right? Anybody with her? And I'm like, amen, sister. I love bread too. And apparently so does Jesus, right? He he doesn't say, give us our daily steak. He doesn't say, give us our daily kale. He says, give us our daily bread, right? So Jesus obviously gets the hamburger with the bun, none of that bunless stuff. Like he loves the bread, right? But there's this interesting part because it's not really talking about bread. Martin Luther 
when talking about this part of the Lord prayer, he says, when you mention and pray for daily bread, you pray for everything that is necessary in order to have and enjoy daily bread. On the other hand, you pray against that which interferes with it. He's saying it's everything. It's this sense of provision. It's this sense of communion with God and seeking him saying, you know what? I need money so that I can get gas in the truck so I don't run out of a gas on the way to to work, right? There's these things that God is saying, look, if it matters to you, it matters to God. You don't have to worry about it being too small or too unimportant. This brings this this dependence on God. Because see, when we get empty, that feeling comes from depending on God to fill us up. Not trying to figure things out for ourselves, not trying to fill ourselves up, but leaning in and depending on God. Independence in life is what leads to, to life falling apart. Over and over again, you look at somebody whose life is just in shambles. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've been there and you feel like your life is falling apart. I think that if we take a step back and we look in, there's all kinds of areas in our life where we're trying to do things on our own, refusing help from others and refusing help from God because we're independent. And there's this great sense of I'm independent, I'm on my own, I don't need God to fill me, and we keep trying to grasp at things, we grasp at our own happiness, we grasp at things, we try to control our life, and in this moment of ultimately trying to control everything, we lose control of everything. It's this independence that I think leads to emptiness, and God is saying, depend on me for everything. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about every, anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I think a lot of times when we sit here and we talk about prayer and what we're praying for, we always go spiritual. Like, oh man, I would like to see this person saved. I want to see this happen at church. I want to see this happen in my community. And we always go spiritual when we're talking about prayer in church. But let's be honest, sometimes we just, we just want to have an, an, a meal in front of us, or we just want to be able to pay that bill. And there's these things that we think that we probably shouldn't pray for because God doesn't really care about that. So I went through and I've got a list here of, the, of different people praying for different things all throughout scripture. And you'll see some of it is spiritual and a lot of it is not. But you see, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they wanted a family when they couldn't have kids. So they prayed for a son. Solomon prayed for wisdom in his new job. Gideon thought that God was calling him to do something, but he wasn't really sure what God was calling him to do. So he prayed for confirmation that that God would show he was supposed to do it. It's actually a really cool story where Gideon lays out a sweater and he says, let let me wake up in the morning and the sweater be wet. Then the next morning he says, let me wake up and it not be wet. There's this whole conversation he has with God. He's like, God, prove it to me that this is what you've called me to do. How many people have just had questions about their future. They wish God would show them what they're supposed to do. Gideon does just that with these sweaters. He's, David prayed for forgiveness after coming committing adultery with Bathsheba. He prayed that God would give him a clean heart and renewed steadfast spirit. Elijah prayed that it would, wouldn't rain. Later, he prayed that it would rain. Paul p- prayed that some of the, the thorn in his flesh would be, that bothered him would be taken away. Disciples prayed for boldness. Fathers in the New Testament prayed for their little girls to get better. Peter asked for Jesus to, for financial help to pay his taxes, and, and Jesus provides it through a, a coin that's in a fish's mouth. Jesus told us to pray for lost people and the, the, and the workers to get the gospel out to them. All of these things... 
people pray over and over again, things that might seem small and insignificant, as simple as a, a temple tax, or things that might seem big, like God would give us boldness to preach the gospel. There's all across the spectrum. There's, if it matters to you, it matters to God, and you can pray about it. And in some of my reading and studying, I can't, there's a, a gentleman named uh, Pete Greg, Pete Greg, and he uh, started this 24-7 prayer movement. It, it kind of started in the, the England area, and now it's kind of all over different continents, all over the world. But he, he kind of talks and he tells stories of, about, he's written several books, and one of the stories he tells about prayer is he actually has this opportunity. There's a guy that's in his church that has made a lot of money. And one of the things this guy does is once he gets saved, he, he spends half of his life earning lots and lots of money. He is like stupid rich. Then he spends the other half of his money, other half of his time using that money to fight human trafficking. All right, but in, in, in his wealth, he has uh, purchased a yacht. And he asks this Pete guy, he says, hey, do you want to go on vacation with me and my family? We've got this yacht that we're taking out and we're going to be going to all these different islands. We're going to spend several weeks out on the ocean you can bring you, your family, y'all can stay in one well, we'll stay in ours, we'll meet in the middle for dinner. And Pete's telling this story, and he's like, this is the, the greatest vacation of my life. He's like, when somebody asks you, you don't say, well, let me check my schedule, you just say yes. And so they'd go, and they'd stop, and they'd park the boat, and kids would jump off and swim in the ocean, and they, they'd have dinner, and it was just like this extremely lush um, extravagant vacation that they've never been able to go on before and that God has blessed them through this friend that they're on this vacation and he's just living the dream, right? And he's telling this story and you're like reading it and you're like, man, I really hate this guy because I want to go on that trip, right? And he gets to this moment and there's this one particular evening where they've parked the boat and the, the breeze dies down, the sun is setting and it's like, there's just the, the ocean itself and this little canal is like glass. It's just completely still. And there, there, it's this beautiful night. There's not any breeze. They're just sitting out, they're hanging out. And eventually this huge swarm of mosquitoes comes up and starts biting them and aggravating them. And, and you're like, well, that's what you get for bragging about this vacation, right? <laughs> and, they, 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 and, then, and then all of a sudden the guy that, that owns the yacht, that owns this, this, produced this whole vacation, he just starts praying. He just starts praying this big, elegant prayer that God would take and move the mosquitoes. And this guy who's written books on prayer, he's like, God is not going to answer that prayer. <laughs> like, like, first off, the mosquitoes, you know, they're, they're good for the environment. They, they eat bugs and things like that. Like, they're needed or whatever they do. Like, they, they have their purpose, and God's just not going to get rid of them. And, and we're sitting here on a yacht in the ocean having a vacation. Like, what are, why are we complaining about mosquitoes? Like, God doesn't care about that. He's worrying about things in the Middle East. Like, like God doesn't care about these mosquitoes, right? And, and then pretty soon he looks around and, like, they're having like this little mini revival. He even looks and his kids are praying. They got their hands in the air. They're praying that these mosquitoes go by. And he's like, are you kidding me? They're praying this stupid prayer that these mosquitoes would leave. My kids are praying. And when the mosquitoes don't leave, now I'm going to have to explain to my kids why God didn't answer that prayer. And they're not going to believe in God anymore because he didn't move the mosquitoes. And now I've got this huge problem that I just wish they would stop <laughs> praying this stupid prayer. And about that time, this little breeze picks up. You know where this story is going. And it comes in and it moves that little swarm of mosquitoes down to a, another less praying yacht somewhere. Right? <laughs> and these mosquitoes are gone. And then it really is like a little revival that breaks out. That all the, the, the two families are praying and, and clapping and singing because there's this moment of something so small, insignificant, stupid prayer. But if it matters to you, 
It matters to God and you can pray about it. We go back to, I've mentioned a couple of times about praying about a parking spot. Like it's a rainy day, it's uh, busy at Kroger and you want to get a spot close to the front and you're like, God, will you just please provide this spot? And like, if he doesn't provide it, like big deal, right? It's not something you need. But then you pull up and you go up one lane and there's nothing there and you start and you turn to go down the other and then you realize that somebody's backing out and you get VIP parking, And what's great about this story is in that moment, you could debate whether it was a coincidence or whether God was moving and stirring. But in that moment, you have the opportunity to praise God and thank him for a little square of asphalt. Like what is so insignificant? What is so minute as concrete on the ground? Like that has no importance. But because you prayed about the small thing, you can have gratitude about the small thing and you can live a life of thanksgiving and joy and praise because your heavenly father listens to you and there's no prayer too small. This, this moment of give God our daily bread, it's about provision. It's about God providing the things we need, right? We're not praying him and expecting him to answer every single thing prayer that we want. But we're in that moment and we live a life of praying the small things and being thankful for the small things. I love one of the things, one of my proudest things as a parent, and it was completely by accident. So like, I'm not going to write a book on how you do this, but one of the first things Addie Lee learned how to say was thank you, right? And so it was really interesting because most of the times you can learn please and, and the one word phrases before the two word phrases. And, but I walked in one day to pick her up from Miss Tracy. Miss Tracy's like, so is she saying thank you? Like that that's weird that she's using the two that's early and I was like, Yeah, I don't know where she where she got it, but you know what? One of the things that we're really proud of is we want to live a life of thankfulness, knowing that everything, this isn't her mindset, but everything she has is provided by her parents, right? Every blessing that we receive, the food on our table, the, the gas in our gas tank, the, the, the job that we have, everything around us, we can thank God for because he's provided it for us. So we think we ask God to provide our daily bread and we give thanks when he does it. Next thing he goes into is this whole relationships, right? He says that that verse we ask God to forgive our debts and that we may also forgive our debtors. There's this this picture of, of not just a relationship between us and God, but a relationship with those around us. This is the gospel, right? This is kind of that daily reminder that Jesus died on the cross for us. And there's so often that, I've talked about it before, how we can lose the passion and the joy and the excitement that comes from the fact that we've been saved. But this picture of our salvation, of Jesus dying on the cross for us, giving his life for us, it's this motivation, it's this draw to him that we should never lose sight of. We say, amazing grace, right, was our song during the prayer. Amazing grace doesn't go away. Yeah, you've been saved for however many years, but we should still be so passionate and humble and broken at the fact that God gave his only son to pay our debt. If you've ever been in a place where you've struggled with debt, where you owed money that you couldn't pay, you know how crippling that can be. And in this moment, Jesus is drawing this picture of the fact that our sin, the wages of sin is death. What we owe is death. And there's this moment of being so broken that that's what we're supposed to pay. And God says, you know what? I want relationship with you so much. I want to see you have freedom so much that I'm going to pay your debt by Jesus dying that death. He pays those wages. There's this moment in this, this prayer of our Father who are in heaven, and we get to the very middle of it, and it's like, God died for me. Thank you for, for that forgiveness. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for that freedom. Now let me show that same grace 
to the neighbor that gets on my nerves. Let me show that same grace to that coworker that is always complaining. Let me show that same grace to the coworker that doesn't pull their weight, to the spouse that's made me mad, to the kids that are frustrating. In that moment, let us take a moment and remember what Jesus did on the cross and apply that across the board. If you've ever been to a place where where it's like the relationships around you are just draining you. They're draining you, they're draining you. So often it helps to take a step back and look at that relationship through the lens of the gospel. Jesus died for them and he died for you. We ask God to forgive us while we forgive those around us. And everything we do is through this relationship, through this picture of the gospel. And the third thing is the temptations and traps. This is this moment where he's saying, you know what? Forgive us our debts and also as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation. How often do we pray for forgiveness of sins we've committed without praying for the protection from that sin? Lead us not into temptation. There's this moment where we can say, God, instead of being at a place where we ask for forgiveness, we ask for power not to sin. It's like this thing that happens before, right? We, we have to pray that, that God gives us this ability not to fall into that temptation, not to fall into that trap. It's more than just, just praying for forgiveness. I think about the uh, old game, Pac-Man. Anybody in here a Pac-Man fan? All right, and so this Pac-Man game, it's one of those things where it's like super simple, but it's super addicting, right? You've got this little yellow guy, and he's walking around, he's eating these small yellow dots, and then there's this big yellow dot, and if you eat the bigger yellow dot, then now you can eat the ghosts that are after you, right? And, and then when there, there comes a point that where you get like trapped by Pinky, right? Pinky's got you trapped in the corner, there's nowhere to go. Let's say Pinky is the, the, the ghost, right? This is the sin, this is the temptation, and it's coming for you, there's nowhere to go. What are you gonna do? And in that moment, you remember this section of the Lord's Prayer that says, lead us not into temptation. And you're like, hey, there's this opening right behind me. I'm not up against the wall. There's always a way out. And you turn around and you go through this little portal and you end up on the other side of the map, free from Pinky, able to go eat another big dot. So now you can go back and overcome Pinky, right? (laughs) Like that's this this picture of lead us not into temptation. Scripture tells us that, that there's always a way out. There's always a way out. You don't have to sin. This is one of the things that I preach all the time because I'm so passionate about the fact that like, yes, we are forgiven for our past sins. We're forgiven for the times we've fallen short. But grace and the gospel is so much more than just being forgiven. It is the ability not to sin anymore. Now, I'm not saying that we live a perfect life. I'm not saying that we never mess up. I'm not saying that we're gonna be like Jesus at some point on this earth. But it's like this, it's like this transforming love, right? There's this love in our heart that is always casting out evil. It's always casting out evil and the fact that like, as we grow in Christ, as we're discipled, as we read the Bible, as we pray, this love is growing and it's pushing out all these temptations. It's pushing out all these to, to where it's transforming us that we no longer even crave that sin. The thing about that growing love that's transforming us, it's not always, it, it, there's a back and forth, right? And there's times where we fall short and there's times where we sin, but guess what? The gospel still reigns true in those moments. The cross did work. We are forgiven for those mistakes. We've already prayed that in the Lord's prayer, but we don't have to fall into that temptation. There's so many times that I've, I've, had, I've been talking, especially with teenagers when I was in youth ministry, where they get into a situation and they, like, they fall short and they sin and they say, well, I might as well just keep going. 
I've already made it this far. I might as well throw in the towel and keep going. But at any moment, at any moment, you can stop. At any moment, you can close that door. At any moment, you can turn around and go through that portal. You're not stuck there. You have the opportunity to be free. To, to get really practical, there's some ways that you can, you can pray this, lead me not into temptation. And, and one of my favorite things to do is, and I'm using a, a term from back when I used to play bass, but like riff on the Lord's Prayer. Like when you riff in music, there's like a little scale that you have playing the bass, right? And so I'll be playing, we're, we're doing the worship song at practice, and we're going through, and I'm like, I wonder what this would sound like. And I'm like, whoa, that was cool, right? And I'm just kind of riffing on some notes that I know should sound good, right? And so there's this fact that we know different parts of the Lord's Prayer. Most of us have it memorized because we've said it over and over again. So in these moments of temptation where it seems like it's overcoming you, just start saying these parts of the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us our trespassers. Lord, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Our Father, hallowed be your name. In this moment where I want to make it all about me, let your will be done. And you just start saying these parts of the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't have to be in order. There doesn't have to be any kind of specific way you say it. It can do your own summary, but in that moment where temptation seems to be overcoming you, let's riff on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, take moments during the day and go for a walk without any device. You can go somewhere secluded so you can pray out loud. You can set reminders on your calendar to pray for specific people or at specific times. There's even apps out there like Echo Prayer and Prayer Mate, or you could use the Notes app on your phone where you could keep track of prayers that you're praying for, or you could even go old-fashioned and use note cards. Pray when people ask you to pray and f- pray for them. Pray in that moment for that person. Don't just pray for them later. Uh, you can take a prayer walk around your neighborhood or your office. You can uh, try short prayers throughout the day at each meal. Where we pray, normally we're used to praying before the meal, but what if you just take maybe ten minutes to go sit in your car and pray on your lunch break more than just the meal. Pray regularly with your kids. You can go through Acts. I don't know if you've ever heard Acts, but it's an adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. It's like this way of praying, right? Or a, a way that we could you know, explain it to kids is you pray something wow, then you pray something sorry, and then thanks and help. There's all kinds of ways that you can pray. But the important thing to remember is that prayer has power. It has the power to fill you up. It has the power to to move the hand of God and has the power to get you through temptation. One of my favorite phrases whenever I'm like in worship or or I feel like the Holy Spirit is kind of stirring me is as I like to say the words come on because I feel like these words come on kind of for me they kind of take this Lord's prayer and they condense it because I think about when I say come on I'm, I'm talking about God or during a worship song I'll be like come on God come on God I'm just saying you know hallowed be your name your kingdom come you move uh, or, or if I'm thinking about talking about myself I'm saying come on bless the Lord forgive me for what I've done Call Going out to the Father, being in this relationship, talking to myself, saying, come on, come on. Or I'm talking to others, I'm lifting each other up, c- carrying each other towards love and good deeds. That's scripture. And these words come on, kind of just take this whole Lord's Prayer and condense it into two words that I can just say to myself all the time. As, and that, that's really what I want to close with today is, is when you're in your life, as you're going through life, and whether things are mundane, whether things are really hard, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, no matter what's going on, find a way to enter into prayer. Because prayer works. It can change, it'll change your life. It'll change how you interact at work. It'll change your family. It'll change everything about everything you're facing. God has this desire to move in, in a powerful way 
And if we take a chance to disconnect from everything around us and connect with God, it's amazing the way he will stir. It's amazing the things he will do. It's amazing the power that's out there. But we have to be a praying people to see that happen. So I don't know what the situation is in your life. I don't know what the things you're praying for. But what I want to say as I'm closing this morning is don't give up. Don't stop praying. Find ways to realize that as you pray, God's going to call you into repentance. He's going to call you into focusing on him. He's going to call you into praying for specific things, not just general things. But if you're praying, God will move. And let's pray for him to not just fill us up, but let's pray that he would fill us up and stir us that we can go out and show others Christ. It's about proclaiming the gospel and we receive that power through prayer. We as Christians, this gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a, no other world religion has any kind of access to the, the God of that religion like we do with, because of what Jesus did, died, because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's what adds the validity to the gospel. That's what makes Christianity this religion that is just so overwhelmingly captivating is that we as the creation have access to the creator. Let's be a people known for praying. Let's pray that God would fill us up. And when we start to feel empty, let's let that drive us back in to fill us up again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we continue, not, we're, we're out of this prayer series, but Lord, I pray that pray doesn't, praying doesn't cease. Let us lock in. Let us find a way to connect. Let us find a way to be moved. And as things happen throughout the week, as we come up against difficult circumstances, as we come up against uncomfortable circumstances, as we come up against a chance to to tell somebody about you, whatever it is that's surrounding us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just draw us into prayer, that you'll draw us into a prayer that focuses on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.